Welcome to Business Brief, Missouri Business Alert's podcast focused on the business news and issues shaping the state. In this episode, we'll see how an employee shortage has changed the dynamics of the airline industry. Then, we'll take a look at how downtown Columbia businesses are faring in light of student employees being gone for the summer. My name is Siggy Reese, and I'm joined by my co-host, Teddy Mallorca. And today, I'm sad to announce that this is our final summer episode. Business Brief will be taking a brief break for a few weeks. Teddy, how are you feeling about the summer wrapping up? You know, Siggy, it has been an awesome summer uh, at the Business Alert, and especially on the Business Brief podcast. But don't worry, to all our listeners, we will be back on the microphones coming at you in just a few weeks for the fall semester. Yes, be sure to be on the lookout. We will be back shortly. It won't be too long. Can't wait. Siggy, you ready to get into this week's headlines? Sure. Why don't you start us off? Sounds good. The stage is set for Missouri's race for U.S. Senate in November, with Republican State Attorney General Eric Schmidt and Democrat beer heiress Trudy Bush Valentine winning the nominations for their respective parties. Schmidt tallied more votes than opponents U.S. Representative Vicki Hartzler and ex-Governor Eric Reitens combined in the Republican primary. Valentine defeated former Marine Lucas Kuntz by about five percentage points. The race saw an influx of campaign spending from candidates and PACs alike, totaling about $48 million. Health insurance company Centene terminated the rest of a $775 million deal to expand its headquarters in Clayton. This means that Centene will forego nearly $80 million in tax breaks. In July, the company also canceled plans to build an auditorium in Clayton. In another move from the company, Centene board chairman James Dallas is stepping down from his role, but will continue in his role as a director for the company. German pharmaceutical giant Bayer announced that it has acquired 65% of Covercress, a Crevecore-based startup that has developed multipurpose cover crops. Cover crops are planted to protect and enrich soil in between harvesting and planting seasons, and they can also keep carbon dioxide from being released into the atmosphere. One acre of cover crops has the ability to sequester one ton of carbon, according to rough estimates. Bayer is also running a pilot carbon program that pays participating farmers $10 for every acre of cover crops they plant. Bayer then sells those carbon offset credits to companies looking to reduce their carbon emissions. A vote Wednesday ended a contract dispute between Boeing and 2,500 union workers in St. Louis. Union workers approved a second contract offer from the company, which included changes to employee retirement plans. Workers rejected the initial offer from Boeing on July 24th, and workers planned to strike as soon as Thursday if the new contract was rejected. For our first story, we'll be hearing about the effects of a global pilot shortage in the airline industry. Teddy, you spoke to some people in aviation about what's been happening. I did. The pilot shortage has been going on for the past few years, and I was interested in how COVID-19 had affected the global issue. I learned there's really much more to the scarcity of airline pilots than meets the eye. So exactly how long has the pilot shortage been going on? Well, like I said, it's been happening for the past few years, but it started really about five years ago when airline industry experts began to predict a greater need for pilots over the next two decades. The pandemic only exacerbated the issue, causing many pilots to leave the industry. And during that time, many struggling airlines offered early retirement packages to pilots who were within two to three years of their mandatory retirement age of 65 which is required by the Federal Aviation Administration. Other pilots stepped away to stay closer to home or to take on a less strenuous position. 
the mass exodus of pilots really took a toll on an aging workforce, which has an average age of 51. Wow. So how are airlines trying to fill the gap that all these retirements have left? Well, there really is a void between the amount of pilots coming into the industry and the amount of pilots who have left. And so because of that, airlines have been eager to snap up pilots. Major airlines have been hiring regional pilots at a rapid pace. So regionals have really been the airlines most affected by the shortage. Are there pilots in training that are ready to fill the holes in the workforce? Definitely. I spoke to academics at St. Louis University's Department of Aviation, as well as Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University, which is the world's largest aviation school. And at St. Louis University and Embry-Riddle's Daytona Beach campus, enrollment is up 30% over the past few years. And at Embry-Riddle's Prescott, Arizona campus, enrollment has even doubled. So there are lots of pilots preparing to enter the workforce, and major airlines are even creating pipeline programs to get students straight into their airlines. Gotcha. So with enrollment up so much at aviation schools, how is there still a shortage of pilots? Well, development takes time. It can take up to eight years to get into a major airline. A typical aviation student will graduate from school and begin working on enough hours to work for a regional airline, which can take anywhere from 1,000 to 1,500 hours. A pilot will fly for a regional airline until gaining the flight hours and experience needed to fly for a major airline which, like I said, takes quite a long time. That really is a long time. How long have pilots in the pipeline been affected by the shortage? Well, because of all this, the leverage has really shifted towards the pilot. For so long, there has been fierce competition among pilots for jobs at airlines. But I spoke with Tyler Johnson, a flight instructor at St. Louis University who's working on earning enough flight hours to work for an airline. I've got guys, you know, that are here currently going to multiple interviews within one week for different airlines. and basically weighing the benefits of what aircraft are flying, you know, what their salary is going to be, um, you know, where they want to travel to, rather than taking the first opportunity that, that exists um, and makes itself available. He told me that many of his students and colleagues also have conditional job offers, and pilots are being reached out to when they have anywhere from 800 to 900 of their required flight hours. Wow. Are 1,000 hours necessary to work for an airline for most pilots? Well... According to the FAA, 1,500 hours are required to work for an airline. But for universities like Embry-Riddle and St. Louis, who have Part 141 certifications from the FAA, only 1,000 hours are required. Gotcha. So it seems like there's a light at the end of the tunnel, or runway, as it were. (laughs) What's the outlook on the shortage? Well, experts predict that it's still going to be about 5 to 10 years. Although enrollment is way up, it will take time for that gap to fill in between the pilots coming into the pipeline and the pilots leaving the industry. According to a Bureau of Labor Statistics report released in 2020, the airline industry will be 14,500 airline and commercial pilots short until the year 2030. And now that's about 8% of the workforce. Each year, though, it will continue to ease and ease. Wow. Okay. So in the meantime, who is most impacted by the pilot shortage? Experts agree that at the end of the day, it's the consumer who's most affected. Airlines have added new routes to meet consumer demand post-pandemic, and this new service has put added pressure on an already stressed industry. While there is an end in sight, flights from St. Louis to Philadelphia with layovers in Orlando may not be too out of the ordinary. For our second story, Siggy, you talked to some businesses in downtown Columbia about how hiring has been going. 
Yeah, that's right. I spoke to employees and business owners from some downtown Columbia businesses, and I asked them how they're preparing for thousands of college students to return to Columbia later this month. I particularly wanted to know about hiring, since many small businesses across the country continue to struggle to fill positions and retain workers. Can you talk more about the challenges small businesses have been facing, for those who don't know? Sure. So the pandemic brought about a national worker shortage. According to a June report, half of U.S. small business owners reported job openings they cannot fill. The shortage has been especially hard for businesses in the service industry. This issue is interesting to look at in Columbia because so much of the city is made up of college students from the University of Missouri and nearby colleges. So how are local businesses doing? Well, there are definitely a lot of we're hiring signs around town, but the three businesses I spoke to said employment is not a current issue. However, they had different responses as to why. A coffee shop called Lakota Coffee is currently looking to hire 10 new employees in preparation for the back-to-school season. Its management hired three within a week of starting the hiring process. Owner Andrew Ducharme says the establishment's biggest concern is that other downtown establishments are also actively hiring. He says that the majority of Lakota's employees are college students and that over the summer, the coffee shop has actually been overstaffed. Interesting. And what did the other businesses have to say? Well, I talked to both Sparky's Homemade Ice Cream Shop and a record store called Hit Records. Both establishments are not currently looking to hire. They purposely keep their staff small. At Sparky's, employee Cora Baraby explained that the ice cream shop is more focused on employee retention than addition. Here's Baraby. The one thing that is always the same for us is that we don't have room to, you know, we can only have so many people working at one time. So when it comes down to it, we want to keep the people that we do have, focus on retention and incentivize retention. At Hit Records, co-owner Taylor Bacon says employees must have extensive experience and knowledge in both retail and music. So the shop doesn't typically suit the average college student. The record store only employs around six people, but it still gets a lot of interest. Here's Bacon. We get a ton of people asking for jobs. So it's not a matter of people wanting to work here. We just don't have any positions. Okay, and with all these students returning, it sounds like business will be busy. Are these businesses doing anything to prepare? Yeah, actually. Hit Records says that it will be restocking merchandise and adding new products to its shelves. Bacon says the record store is also planning events geared towards college students. We're going to have a 10-year anniversary party the first weekend that the students are back. I'm going to have a big sale. So we'll keep it fresh. And with incoming freshmen and transfer students moving to the area, what did the businesses say they would do to get their names out there? All three businesses I talked to had different things to say. Lakota uses social media to attract customers and new employees. Sparky says word of mouth is its most effective method of gaining new customers. And Hit Records depends on people interested in buying records to find it pretty easily. Gotcha. It'll be interesting to see what business is like downtown in a few weeks when classes begin. It is now time for us to get into our words of the week. Teddy, what word did you choose this week? My word of the week is flood insurance. And yes, I do know it's a phrase. Okay, and why is that? Well, in the aftermath of the historic rainfall in St. Louis that destroyed many homes and businesses last week, many property owners are facing flood damage. It's looking like people may have to bear the brunt of the cost themselves, since the damage is not typically covered in home insurance plans, and most do not have flood insurance policies. I see. So how much damage was there? Several hundred homes in the area saw severe damage from the storms, some sewer systems clogged, and many vehicles were swamped with water. 
The estimated figure for private damage costs has not yet been determined, but local officials say the estimated total of public costs and damage is about $88 million. FEMA said it's hoping to get relief funds to residents extremely quickly. That's all I have this week. What do you have for us, Siggy? My word of the week is Indiana bats. Ooh, gotcha. And what made you choose that? Well, they're an endangered species here in Missouri, and renewable energy sources such as wind turbines and solar panels are putting them in harm's way, according to several Kansas City conservation groups. Oftentimes, building these energy sources can result in birds and bats being forced to leave their homes, as land is developed for renewable energy projects. Wind turbines specifically pose a danger because birds and bats can fly into them. A group called the Missouri Energy Infrastructure Conservation Sighting Work Group intends to help with this issue in the hopes of maintaining the survival of Indiana bats and other species. Okay, interesting. And how is this group helping? So the group is basically creating voluntary guidelines to help renewable energy stakeholders protect the species at risk. For example, one guideline recommends slowing the speed of wind turbines during times with low wind and peak bat migration, a process known as feathering. Other guidelines include avoiding clearing prairies or woodlands for solar power and refraining from including aviation purges on towers and poles in grassland areas. And what have been the reactions from conservation community members? Well, it seems to be pretty positive. Jennifer Campbell, policy coordinator for the Missouri Department of Conservation, says the newly crafted guidelines are a missing piece in Missouri conservation efforts. And Carol David, the executive director for the Missouri Prairie Foundation, who helped with the creation of the guidelines, says she hopes the guidelines will help give insight to energy stakeholders. For a closing thought, here's more from pilot Tyler Johnson on the state of hiring in the airline industry. Definitely multiple airlines are vying for you to come work for them rather than uh, what was years ago with you, you know, basically having slim pickings as a pilot coming out and taking any opportunity available. So yeah, the leverage I think has definitely shifted. Well, that is all for this week. Thank you to the M33 Project for providing music for this episode. For my co-host, Teddy Mallorca, editors Ian Laird, James Marshall, Skylar Rossi, and Michael Stacy. I'm Siggy Reese, and this has been Business Brief. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you in a few weeks.